Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 26. Excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 26. Now, it's been a while, and I was thinking even over the past couple of days that it's been a month since I've taught here at the church, and I'm excited about our subject tonight, and I think we'll all find some rather significant personal application in our time. Now, just to bring us back up to speed, recognizing we have moved from the period of the judges into the period of the kings. And what we are seeing is a transition between the first two kings, one being a people's choice type of king, King Saul, and now we'll move into the time period, or at least we're approaching that time period of a man after God's own heart or a man of God's choosing who will be the king of Israel and that being David. Now, if you remember in chapter 24, we encountered the fame, famed cave at Endevi, Endevi, in Gedi event where David had the opportunity to kill King Saul as Saul had unknowingly entered the cave where David and his men had been hiding. Now the men told David, listen, this is divine providence. The guy who is your enemy has now moved into the very cave, unaware of our presence here, and therefore take advantage of the moment and kill King Saul and put all this running from place to place to arrest. Yet we know David would not do so, but instead he cut off the corner of Saul's kingly robe and even felt bad about doing that. Now in 1 Samuel 24, 6 and 7, David said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. Now, David had cut off the corner of the robe for the purpose of proving to Saul that he had him dead to rights and he could have certainly and easily killed him. So when Saul and his men who were guarding him were a safe distance away, David exited the cave. He called out to Saul, told him he couldn't, could have killed him, showed him the proof of his proximity to him and yet reminded him that he did not stretch out his hand against him because he was the Lord's anointed. And whether it was feigned or real, Paul began, or Saul rather, began to cry and he lifted up his voice and wept and he declared that David was more righteous than he was and he even acknowledged that someday David would indeed be king. Then chapter 25 introduced to us the death of Samuel. And this man who from a boy had served the Lord gets barely a mention at his death. And the only thing we're told is that the Israelites gathered at Ramah and mourned for him and then went home. This is followed by the encounter that David or his men, I should say, had with a rather infamous Bible character told uh, or named rather Nabal. And remember his name means stupid or blockhead. And indeed he proved himself to be worthy of his name. And David later met stupid's wife, if you will, a woman who was quite wise named Abigail. Now, when we examine that chapter, we titled our time, A Winner Every Time. And we did so, and the point of our title was because 
Every decision we make in a time of difficulty or insult, like David had been insulted by Nabal, we have to decide whether our reaction is going to be dictated by the flesh or by the spirit. And one of those two is going to win out every time. Now, as we made our way through the chapter, we saw David fighting this battle that we all fight. Has anybody ever got in the flesh? <laughs> Where's the rest of your hands now? We've all gotten in the flesh at one time or another. That's where you say, Amen. Now, that was a weak amen, but I'll take it. But we watched David fight this battle within himself when he heard how Nabal treated the men that he had sent to him and how Nabal responded to them. Now, remember, it was shearing time, which was a customary feast time, and this was a practice in all of Israel. It was also a time where robbers would seek to take advantage of those who were shearing the wealthy man's sheep and steal their goods and steal some of their sheep as well. Yet David and his men, unsolicited, had guarded Nabal's property and his workers. And during the whole shearing season, they had not lost a one. Now, when David suggested through his men to Nabal that this unsolicited security service be rewarded with food and those things appropriate for this time of feasting, Nabal said this to David's men. In 1 Samuel 25, 10 and 11, Nabal answered David's servants and said, who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each, from, uh, each one from his own master. And he was in essence accusing David of betraying Saul. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I've killed for my shearers and give it to the men whom I do not know where they are from? Now, when these words were reported back to David, the 10 young men reported to him the response they received. David, in essence, says, lock and load, boys. We're going to deal with this guy and teach him a lesson. And on his way to teach a lesson to Nabal, he encounters Abigail and she comes before David. She bows before him. She asks the future king for mercy on her foolish husband. And she even tried to shift the blame from Nabal to herself and saying to David, do not count this against your maidservant. And David's fleshly response, which was not to leave a man alive by morning of all of Nabal's households is tempered by Abigail's humble plea. And David then returns to, if we would use the phrase, walking in the direction of the spirit. And he says this to Abigail in 1 Samuel 25, 32 to 35. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to me. Aren't you glad for divine messengers to keep us tracking people to intervene and quote us a scripture or give us a word of encouragement? And blessed is your advice and blessed are you because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging who? Myself, Myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried down and come to meet me. And David wasn't going to hurt Abigail. She would be hurt by what he was going to do to Nabal and his sons and servants. So by morning light, no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand 
what she had brought him and said to her, go in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. So just in examining what we've recapped thus far, we see David started off in the wrong direction. He was going to avenge himself. Abigail got him tracking in the right direction. When, and when Abigail then told her foolish husband what had happened and what the consequences were going to be of his actions, he had a heart attack. And then we're told 10 days later that he died because the Lord struck him. Now, after having started in the flesh, then got back into walking according to the spirit, spirit's direction and word, then David got back in the flesh again and he married not only Abigail, but he took Ahinoam of Jezreel as his wife. And therefore we need to remember that our chapter tonight is also going to be instructive concerning this battle we all fight, but with a little more specific application, that battle being between the flesh and the spirit. And therefore, our chapter is going to have a familiar ring, if you will, as it records something we have seen before in a previous chapter, specifically chapter 24. But we need to introduce the idea or the reminder, I should say, that this is the last time that Saul and David are ever going to encounter each other. This is the last time they will speak. This is the last time they will be within sight of one another. And both men are going to meet their destinies, so to speak, in the coming chapter. Saul, his death, and David, his anointing as king. Now, Saul, having cried out to David in chapter 24, he vowed to cease pursuing David in chapter 24. In our chapter, now reneges on his vow and goes right back at what he had been doing in pursuing David to kill him. Now, David in our chapter is going to have another opportunity to avenge himself and kill Saul. But again, he doesn't bow to his flesh. He stays the course like he did the last time. The opportunity has had arisen. And it's from this that we're going to draw these actions or inactions, I should say, that we'll draw our life lessons tonight as we examine our chapter. Now, our title tonight is a reminder and it will give us our direction for the evening. And our title is a reminder about who God is and of his many attributes, we could include this. Our God is our strong deliverer. Our strong deliverer is our title tonight. Do you believe that our God is our strong deliverer tonight? Now, we've also seen in recent chapters in particular that these events were so difficult in David's life. They resonated so deeply in his soul and spirit that they were the basis for which he would write a series of Psalms, as we have mentioned, uh, 56 and 57. Uh, we even began, I believe, with 55. And now David and the events we have recorded for us in 1 Samuel 26 are the foundation that David based his writings on in Psalm 54, where he said this, and we'll read the whole Psalm, and it's a shorty. Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your what? Your strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth, for strangers have risen up against me, and oppressors have sought after my life. They have not set God before them. Behold, God is my helper. Somebody say amen. amen. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. He will repay my enemies for their evil. 
cut them off in your truth. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me out of all trouble and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. And David wrote this in light of what he experienced and what we're about to read. Now, 